You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is, of course, Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado for episode 527 of this podcast. Also, 237 of season four. That is 237 out of 237 for season four. And that is because today is December 31st, 2022, a.k.a. New Year's Eve, a.k.a. the day before the first day of 2023, the year of our Lord. But, you know, it's funny. I, I'm thinking about the year that we've had behind us. The year that we have ahead of us is unknown. But in some sense, you know, the, the routine that we have, my wife and I in particular, and then I share the results of our reflections with all of our kids. Some of them, I think, get it. And some of them get little bits and pieces of it. And then they get distracted because I'm long-winded. And please forgive me. That'll probably be... One of my enduring faults until the end is that I'm long-winded or else I'll just stop talking. And then people will be like, whoa, okay, something's wrong that he's just, he's just not talking anymore. But provided <laughs> it's not that, as long as I am talking, I am a bit long-winded. And so sometimes I lose, you know, various of our children and other people who are in proximity somewhere along the ways. And then I say something that catches their attention again, or I change the subject, or we move on. And then I find out later, oh, okay, they they actually did hear this little bit, and I didn't realize it, right? I thought nobody was listening anymore, and I just decided we're going to adjourn, and then come the questions, <clears throat> or the comments, or the, hey, you know, what about this? Um, but some of our kids get it, I think, when we do this year-end reflection thing. Some of them, they get little bits and pieces of it. Some of them are just too young, and they're just there to practice sitting and listening. That's that's honestly, and even if it's just that, that's honestly what it is, and uh, and that's okay too. But the fact that we have this as our year-end routine, coming into a new year, we want to make wise goals for our family, for ourselves. We want to be intentional. Uh, we also want to be realistic. We want to be prepared for what is coming insofar as we can be. And we also want to be wise and honest and thankful and repentant where, where repentance is needed, but also uh, faithful in enduring where we have done a good thing. We don't want to grow weary in doing a good thing or forget to do the good thing as we look back on the year behind us. And the very fact that we have to sit down and write out what happened over the course of the year and when it happened and what the you know order of events was actually, that tells me that as much as it's unknown what is going to happen in the future, on some level, it's unknown what has already happened. And you realize this when, A, you forget things that you knew, and so you cease to know them in some sense. And then... B, uh, sometimes you don't know some connecting details 
until you talk about it, until you bring it back up again. And then all of a sudden, in my case, my wife is saying, oh, yeah, and then this other thing happened. And I say, wait, what? It did? And she says, oh, yeah, didn't I tell you that? And I say, well, no. And so that's why it's wise. You know, if you're married, if you have a wife or ladies in the minority in my audience, it's mostly men. Uh, ladies, if you have a husband and, and you want to be on the same page, especially as your book gets more and more full, your pages are more and more complicated with life. Uh, you know, if you've got a big family, it's more important than it was when you very first started to sync up and compare notes. And, uh, you know, it might not be the same story in all the particulars, but it's got to be a complimentary story as you go along. And you've got to work at that. You have to be sharing this info and you've got to be having the conversation as a setting for sharing the info that you need to be synced up and to be considerate. As a husband, my responsibility is to live with my wife in an understanding way. I can't live with my wife in an understanding way if I'm not paying attention. And don't hear you need to pay attention to your wife all the time and every little thing. And then that becomes you being led around by the nose. And it's a role reversal thing. You know, the, the old saying that I hate that the man may be the head of the household, but his wife is the neck. I think that's dumb. I think that's dumb because it implies that the woman is actually leading the man. She's actually the one who is in charge and he's just a figurehead, right? He's just the guy who opens uh, jars and, and things that are, you know, high up on a shelf He's tall enough to reach and she's not. So he grabs them for her because she doesn't want to grab a stepladder instead. You know, that that's not what men are called to biblically. And so I don't think it's that the man is the head and the wife is the neck. This is a question of authority. The man has the, humanly speaking, uh, chief place of authority in the home. If you have children, then comes the wife and mother. And then after that, you might uh, on occasion say, all right, I have older children here and I'm going to occasionally on a task by task basis or for certain kinds of chores, I'm going to put this older child in the position of leading younger children and setting an example and showing them how to do it and watching to make sure that they do it correctly, you know, that kind of a thing. But as such, you know, when you sit down and you compare notes and you talk through what has happened, sometimes you get additional details that are important, that are relevant to having the right idea about what happened and what conclusions should be drawn and also what kind of an attitude we should have. What actually happened versus what we thought happened, you've got to make time to discuss. And I'll be honest, I, I've been on that kick for quite some time. I do think that there is a point of diminishing returns where you've got to scale it back. So one of the things that we're doing this year is I'm saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to take the initiative on saying, let's scale down this year-end review process and let's scale down uh, some of what we map out, uh, you know, not just the level of detail, because I think I've gone overboard in years past and it's been overly exhausting and it risks uh, doing more harm than good in terms of attitudes towards planning and being intentional. I want to bring along my wife and my children with me and not just me charging forward and exhausting them and you know them being confused and distracted and uh, all that. I want to bring them along 
and talk a little and listen a little and talk a little and listen a little. And towards that end, especially as our sons are getting older, they need to be taking more of an active role. I mean, it's an important thing for their maturity. It's also going to be a very important thing in them being men launched out on their own, having their own households and making their own adult decisions as men. They are young men now, which is to say, in my way of thinking, they are future men. They are men in training. And as such, they have some expectations on them because they're increasingly man-sized and they have increasingly man uh, voices. (laughs) There's more of a bass (laughs) note in, in their communication. And they need to be taking more of an active role in thinking through these things. It's not enough for me to plan it out like when they were little and to have it all figured out. Well, no, that, that gets to be overwhelming at a certain point. If you create an expectation of that one, you're not cultivating those skills in your sons. If you're doing all the thinking for them and you're just mapping it all out for two, you are creating a dependence on you. And so what happens if I'm not available? What happens if I, what if, what if I'm indisposed? What if I get sick? Or what if I am out of town for work? Or what if I'm really, really busy with complex problems that I've got to focus on and work at to provide for our family? You know, that in this new year, I think is a, it's an issue or a concern or a, a potential opportunity and threat all rolled into one with my having changed jobs towards the tail end of this year, 2022, going into 2023, if I'm doing a much more complicated and uh, attention-intensive job as a controls programmer, well, then I need to be careful about what all I commit to, that I'm not spreading myself too thin from a concentration standpoint, from a mental uh, energy standpoint. And so, you know, it it happens to come at a good time in several ways that I say to my older sons, I want you guys to start taking more of an active role in writing out what you've got coming up, keeping track of your schedules. For one, that will take some things off of your mom's plate and my plate. But for two, you have to develop these skills so that they're habits, right? So that they are just the ways that you approach uh, your time management and you're thinking about decisions and your prioritization. Because the fact of the matter is you only have so much time, energy, attention, uh, capital of various kinds, you know, resources. You have a limited finite amount of all these things. That's, that's how God made us and that's okay. And so you have to be honest about that as you go along. You've got to be honest about what you have and what's coming up. And if it can't uh, be stretched to fit everything, well, then you're going to have to just choose to not do certain things or not invest in certain things so that you can do certain other things as well as they can be. You can invest in other things at the level that they need in order to be successful. Well, in my own case, you know, part of how I set the example for that is by investing in uh, I hope later today, I'm planning on later today, sitting down with 
Lauren and our four older sons and going over some personal organizers. And we, by the way, have three different kinds. So that'll be interesting, but it's, it's not actually the most important thing that they are different brands with different layouts and different focuses and different, different emphases. That's not actually the most important thing. The most important thing is the general principle of here's what this is for. Here's why you want to use it. Here's generally speaking, how you should use it and how you think about it. And maybe even a routine of every so often, right? Every weekend, let's just make it a routine. Every weekend you sit down with this and you write in what's coming up and you fill in blanks on the week behind you. What lessons do you need to have learned? Also, what do you need to be prepared for? If I talk through that with them, I am not just feeding a man a fish or a woman a fish in the case of my wife. I'm not just feeding a man a fish as the old saying goes. I'm teaching a man or young man as the case may be with my four older sons. I'm teaching a man to fish so that I feed him for a lifetime That, my friends, that needs to be more and more our attitude in many things, but I think it starts in the home. I think it starts with fathers and husbands as heads of their home, taking the initiative and being intentional about it. That's the other thing. Almost more important than what you're doing in the way of goal setting or reflection on what's gone behind you and and before you and what's already happened, what you've already done, the past whether it's the past year, whether it's the past quarter, whether it's the past month, whether it's the past week, the past day, more important than the particulars of how you evaluate, organize, plan, adjust your plans, (laughs) chronicle, (laughs) discuss, is the very fact of being intentional about it. You know, Dwight Eisenhower once said, in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. And why that is true, why that is a useful bit of wisdom to remember is that your specific plans will change and you need to plan for your plans to change on some level. You need to have an expectation to where it doesn't just completely uh, sideline you and you know knock you on your butt when your plans change. But you do need to plan, right? You need to plan for things to come up that you didn't anticipate because, again, you are a finite creature. That's the other reason why you plan. You don't just promise everything, right? You don't promise everything because you don't have that infinite ability, that godlike ability that only God has to keep all of your promises and guarantees. Don't guarantee things that you can't actually deliver for sure. But what you should say, and the scriptures are very clear on this, is if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. God willing, I will do this. You know, unless there is some natural disaster or some sudden illness or, you know, I'm just prevented entirely due to forces outside of my control which God allows or does not allow as it pleases him, as it plans, uh, and as the plans that he has, 
<laughs> uh, require, uh, I will do this thing. You know, and, and then you have the whole oaths thing that Jesus talks about. He says, do not swear at all, right? Don't swear by the temple. Don't swear by the altar. Don't swear by the sun, the moon, the stars. Don't swear by anything. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? Will you do this thing? Yes. And then if it turns out that you didn't do that thing or you couldn't do that thing, and the question is asked, well, why did you say yes? Well, because I thought I could. I thought I could, and I couldn't, and I didn't. You know, if you say no, and then somebody gives you a really, really good reason why actually you should change your mind, you said no to a thing that you were asked to be involved in, or you were asked if somebody could borrow or have your help on or permission for, and you say no, and then they give you a really, really good reason that you didn't know, that you didn't realize was relevant. If you change your mind after having said no, well, that's not you being fickle or wishy-washy. That's not you being indecisive. That's you being a finite creature. And that's part of what you need to plan for. You need to plan for needing to change your mind and adjust your plans as you go. But principles, right? Principles, those need to be fixed and they need to be set in a hierarchy of relationships that go as follows. Okay. Love God. The first question you need to ask when you're making plans is, is this me loving God? And how do I know? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So is this obedience to God, to his word, to what he has revealed about his character, his intentions, his promises, what he has commanded me in his word, first and foremost. Now, if there's something else besides, and here my reformed friends maybe get a little bit uncomfortable, they shift in their seats, they raise a finger, ready to speak, open their mouths, waiting for the break so that they can object. But if the Holy Spirit has put it on your heart as well, that you must do this thing. If this is a good thing, he who does not do the good thing that he knows to do, to him it is sin. That is biblical. And it may be more comprehensive to say that kind of a thing. Whatever is not done in faith is sin. Also, he who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. The Holy Spirit is a guide to the Christian. If you're trying to avoid that, ignore that, uh, downplay that, marginalize that, not give any reference to it because you're so afraid of being a charismatic Pentecostal. Well, I think you're trying too hard. I think, I think you need to be really, really meaning it and thinking about what it means that God's word is our only inerrant, infallible source of authority for the Christian life because the scriptures speak to the Holy Spirit leading and guiding the believer, convicting of sin, also guiding us into all truth, equipping us, giving us gifts that are used for the edification of the body and for the glorification of our God. Yeah, there's just there's just no getting around it. I could go on, but that I, I have to say that much. If the Holy Spirit, if God, the Spirit, has put it on your heart that you must do this thing, test the spirits. Absolutely. That's biblical. If you're unsure, don't be a double-minded man. Ask God for wisdom. James speaks to that. Uh, also, too, seek godly counsel, not just wisdom in a general sense. Don't go to just anybody. And no, Jordan Peterson doesn't just count because he talks about the Bible a lot. 
Don't just go looking for some popular psychologist, self-help guru, you know, a successful person, it seems, from the way that they are able to present their image and all that. Go to a godly person you trust. It might not be me. (laughs) It might not be me, (laughs) even if you know me personally. But find somebody, right? Find find a godly person with good judgment who is level-headed, who you can trust to give you wise counsel. And they may confirm, right? They may confirm, you know what? That, yeah, that is a good honorable thing that you might do. And if you believe that God has called you to it, I don't, I can't think of any biblical prohibition on that. I don't believe God has prohibited it. I don't believe that God has commanded contrary to that. Yes, you should do that. And they, they will probably see if there's a way they can help you to do it. Not just yes, no, towards the end of testing the spirits, but also how can I help you? Or can I connect you with somebody who will be able to help you in this regard? But again, you know, the planning needs to start with the question of, does this love God? And if it doesn't, if you can't figure out how that would love God, because it's disobedient, it's wicked, it's self-indulgent, it's hubristic, well then, that's not a good plan, right? Don't make that plan because God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. The second question you should ask, and this one gets a little a little trickier. The first one's a little tricky because sometimes uh, it, it is, uh, you might say subjective, but it's a highly personal thing. And it's going to be individualized to your particular context in life, how you would be loving God in the making of specific plans in your life to be obedient, to be faithful, to be a good steward, to increase your capacity even to all of the same. I think that can be a good plan. With the second command that is like it, which I think should be our second test for our plans, loving my neighbor as I love myself, it can get a little tricky because, again, we're finite. And the more the earth fills up, the more we are as a human race, as image bearers of the Almighty, being fruitful and multiplying, filling the earth and subduing it, the more neighbors there are. We have a lot of neighbors. I think uh, over 8 billion at this point, if you want to think of it that way. So then you've got to narrow it down. You've got to do a bit of prioritization here. But again, we go back to God's word and God's word helps us to do that prioritizing. First and foremost, the members of my own household, I have a responsibility to as a man. First and foremost, if somebody else's problems look more interesting and less stressful, I don't get the option to just drop everything with regards to taking care of my own family to go and help those people or that person. If I think that there's a benefit in it for me more to drop everything and go help those people and neglect my own household, uh, you know, test the spirits again. <laughs> well, I just really believe God wants me to drop everything, neglect my wife, neglect my children, and race off to do this noble deed, this mighty task. Oh, wait a second. Okay. For one, remember, the man who does not provide for the needs of his own relatives, especially the members of his own household, is worse than an unbeliever. So your relatives, start with your relatives. Do they need your help more than this stranger? And maybe it's not an either or, right? Maybe it's not. But if it is, when it is, you say, okay, I have a sibling, I have a cousin, I have a aunt, an uncle, a parent, 
a grandparent who needs my attention more, especially members of his own household. So even within your family, if you've got competing interests between your spouse and somebody who's not a member of your own household, that is, you live under the same roof, okay? If you have a competing interest, well, then the member of your own household wins out if they have the greater need. They also have the greater uh, claim on your time, attention, resources, etc. Uh, also, too, uh, in-group, out-group for Christians, it actually does make a difference. And it actually is relevant and it's biblical for us to prioritize being charitable with our time, attention, resources towards fellow Christians over and against those who are outside the church. It actually is biblical. It's not partiality. It's not a bad testimony. It's not a bad witness. It's not ungodly. It's not hypocritical. You are a finite creature. You have finite time, attention, resources. You have to prioritize. You must. So, especially to the household of faith, especially to the household of faith, do good to everyone. Absolutely. Especially to those who are part of the household of faith, that is Christians. Look at the requirements. And I've talked about this this year a few times off and on. And I think there's a lot more that we can glean from the bit of the New Testament that deals with the care of widows. But I'll just mention it again briefly. And if we want to get into that more in depth in the future, we can. But even the care for widows, what the boundaries are, we should apply more broadly. First and foremost, prioritize taking care of your church. You know, you, you could invest yourself in a thousand opportunities to serve in your community or a hundred thousand opportunities to serve in your community. I think that's about how many people there are in Greeley Evans. There's a hundred thousand people. There's a hundred thousand neighbors, right? I bet you there's at least a hundred thousand opportunities for service. Uh, some of you community church where we attend and are blessed to attend. I think it was providential that God brought us here. And then our next door neighbors, two houses down the Chavez's just so happened to have moved in right around the time that we moved in and invited us to attend this church, which we had no knowledge of otherwise. It was providential. It was God's grace to us that this connection was made. And now we are grafted into this body of believers. But Summit View Community Church is a few hundred people, and that's plenty. I don't have the time, attention, and resources to directly serve 100,000 people. But I might have the time and attention and resources within the course of a week to help out one family other than my own, or two or three families other than my own. And you know what? God's Word calls me to that especially those who are of the household of faith. And then besides that, there's also the question, even within the church, of are you actually helping? You know, help is not always helpful. And so that's another thing where we need wisdom. We need godly counsel from our fellow Christians, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We also need wisdom from God directly, first and foremost, first and foremost, most reliably, because our hearts can deceive us and lead us astray. 
from God's word, studying it diligently. What does it say? Period. Not just what does it mean to me? How do I feel when I read it? But what does it say objectively? What does God mean here? What is his intention? Not what is my intention? And can I manipulate his word to give myself license or a mandate? Uh, you know, th- these are important things that go into planning. And actually, I would say more than what particular planner or process of planning you use, if these are your tests that you would love God well and that you would love one another well, then it will be blessed. There will be a blessing in it. That, that, like that's, that is the absolute foundation, must be the foundation if it will be successful. If it won't be that foundation, then it won't be successful. Just as simple as that. But it's okay for it to be imperfect. In fact, it will be imperfect in the sense that you do not have the omnis. God has the omnis with regards to power, knowledge, wisdom, goodness, holiness. You know, what are the good qualities? God has all of it, infinite of that. We finite. And that's not always a matter of righteousness and wickedness. That is actually, if you go back before man fell, that is part of the design, not a bug, a feature that we are finite. And you need to embrace it. Don't always repent of it. And don't beat yourself up either. You know, you don't, it would be foolish. It would be foolish to grow weary in doing good because there's always somebody who's going to do the what about these other people, right? Why'd you give the money there? Why didn't you give the money over here, right? There's always going to be those kinds of people who are either malicious or they are themselves misguided or they are trying to manipulate you into doing what they want you to do so that they get power and prestige. Look at me, et cetera, et cetera. But here we've got, I think, an opportunity. With each passing day, his mercies are new every day, every morning, we have an opportunity to make a fresh start. What has already happened, if it was bad, it was if you actually should feel guilty about it because you sinned, you were disobedient, you did not do the good that you knew you ought to have done, or you did the evil that you shouldn't have done, repent and trust in God's grace, his goodness, his mercy. And repent doesn't just mean I'm sorry. It doesn't just mean, oh, I feel bad. No, no. It means you turn away from it. You be intentional to not do that bad thing you were doing and to do the good thing that you were supposed to do. By God's grace, you embrace the opportunity and you press on. Forgive others as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. So you're not dwelling on bitterness and being sidelined and made unproductive because you're bitter about being sinned against or someone sinning against somebody else that you care about, right? Guard your heart. If there needs to be some separation, that also is biblical. That is biblical. If you have somebody who is unrepentant, they have not admitted their wrongdoing. They have not restored who they had the ability to restore. They have not pledged themselves to repentance. They have not asked for forgiveness. Sometimes, The best, most loving thing towards God and towards that person is to say, I am not going to be able to be around you. You're not going to be able to be around us. 
This happens in the New Testament. It's it's sad when it does, but it's a necessity when it happens. It can result in repentance for the other person, but also, too, it can be a fulfillment of guard your heart for from it flow the wellsprings of life. I won't tell you the specifics because I don't think this is the appropriate setting to do so, but I had to do this with someone in my life this year, actually, and it was a hard thing. It is a hard thing, but I really looked at the dynamic and I looked at what I'm responsible for and who I'm responsible for, first and foremost, the order of operations, and I said to myself, I don't believe that I can love God as well, love my neighbor as well, love my relatives as well, love the members of my immediate household as well, if I do not say no to this one person who is unrepentant. And that is not, that is not hypocrisy. That is not a repudiation of God's grace. In fact, God's grace sometimes comes in the form of you have time to repent. You do. You have the opportunity. The door is open. If at some point you avail yourself of that grace of God, that's that's God's grace here. God's grace is not a blank check where we're going to enable bad behavior, affirm it, uh, pretend that it's not bad behavior, call it something else for the sake of appearances. No, no. That actually sometimes is hypocrisy to say peace, peace when there is no peace. And we're not actually being obedient in such a way that would bring peace. Obedience is better than sacrifice. That can be something that you realize as you are intentional in looking back on a year, looking forward to a year ahead. And when that is the case, it is good to have things written out, particularly as whether we're talking lots of events, lots of draws, lots of asks, or complicated individual pieces of that, it can be really, really good to have it written out because you can't just do it all in one swing or all in one day. And you can't just take it as it comes up because you will forget things or you will have a hard time putting the pieces together. Writing it out can help engage different parts of your brain so that the whole of you is applied to this question. What is it that Jesus says? He doesn't just say, love God. That's the first commandment. Love God. No, love God. Okay, well, I I feel love towards God. My emotions towards God are love. You know, okay, cool, done, check. I can check that one off on my planner. (laughs) I loved God today. I felt love towards him. (laughs) You know, the the glitter blew out of the uh, HVAC at church this morning while we were singing praise and worship. And boy, howdy, I felt this strong emotional uh, euphoria towards God. And so I yeah, check, you know, check. It doesn't just say love God in a cerebral way, right? I'm going to love God and I will study theology. And I'll know that I love God because I study theology so much. No, no, that's good. That's good. But not the whole story. Uh, also too, I know that I love God because I'm being obedient. I'm, I'm tithing. I am helping out at the soup kitchen. I volunteer to take, you know, someone's uh, errand on myself, 
right? I'm, I am serving, and so I know that I am loving God because I'm obeying, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. All. All at the same time. And that's hard. And it's a challenge. It's a comprehensive kind of love. To love God with everything, with all of you, every aspect of your being. Yes, that brings the emotions, that brings the thought life, that brings your intellect, that brings what you do physically with your body, that brings your soul. And so far as the soul is a separate piece from your heart and your mind, and writing it out, I believe, can be a helpful way to be intentional in that regard. And it should be framed that way. Not, you know, and, and I hope I haven't given this impression. I really do. In previous years, I've talked about this and I've had some feedback where people say, oh, wow, that's so great. That's so impressive. And man, and you know, it feels good, right? It feels good to have people impressed with X, Y, or Z. And actually, if I'm honest with myself and with you, I might as well be, uh, maybe the reason why I've gone overboard some years has been because I think, oh, people are impressed. I want to keep them impressed. I'm going to do more and more and more and more. And whose approval am I seeking when I'm doing that? I think if that doesn't pass the first test of loving God well, well, then, okay, maybe let's uh, let's walk that back. <laughs> you know, if it doesn't pass the test of loving and providing for my relatives, especially the members of my own household, well, well, let's walk that back, okay? Let, let's... Let's scale that down in proportion to other things that are also important until it does love God well. It does love my neighbor as myself well. So in the time that we've got left, with this being New Year's Eve, and I have actually some very important, serious things to do, like play some Valheim with my boys, play some Twilight Imperium with my boys, look at 2022 uh, with my wife, and also talk through with my wife and our four older sons how to use these planners that we've got. Actually, I don't think mine's arrived yet, but uh, theirs have. As we're talking through that, I also want to play some games as we ring in the new year. Maybe me and the boys stay up until midnight. We'll see. We'll see how we do. Uh, We are planning on going to church tomorrow. Um, Let's talk through what the planners are that we got. I, I want to talk through that. And and I think that can be helpful to you. I think that loves God well. I think that honors my wife and my children and myself. And I think that also loves you well, because it might give you some ideas. Maybe you don't use any one of these three planners, but just the intentionality of it and knowing what's out there. Maybe you do take an interest in one of these and you want to get one for yourself or your household, your wife, your husband, your children, what have you. First and foremost, the one that my wife picked, uh, she picked one called the Anecdote, the Anecdote Day Planner 2023 uh, on Amazon. It's uh, $25. She got the olive green one. It looks nice. She's not in love with the uh, bookmark ribbons that come built in, like that color green with the uh, olive green of the cover. That bothers her. I think it looks fine, but she's got a better eye for color than I do. So maybe I'm wrong. Uh, A daily, weekly, and monthly planner 2023. Achieve your goals with this weekly planner hardcover 
agenda, start any time. Uh, it says here in the bullet point thing about this item, not like every other planner, we have taken the next step in planner design by finding out what workflow system truly successful people use to manage and achieve their goals at each stage of work. So if this is an exact system, achieve your goals, design and quality, daily workflow, all caps, so you know that they really, really mean it. But these are nice, right? These are nice. And uh, I do like the way this uh, this uh, uh, preview image set shows the inside of uh, the anecdote planner. I'll say, but before I explain any more about this one in particular, Lauren and I, we've been doing the ink plus volt for several years. And this year we both fell off the wagon about halfway through the year and just stopped filling it in. And it's been great, but now I don't think that it suits our purposes as well as it did at the start. And we don't want to give up on the process because the principle is sound. The process needs to be a part of our workflow and our running our home, managing our home well. But this one, it definitely looks to me as though its layout is more streamlined to what my wife in particular with the anecdote is needing help organizing or what is most critical, most important. If there are significant parts of the ink plus volt planner that we were just skipping consistently, you know, we started filling them out at the beginning, but then we started skipping them consistently <laughs> more recently and then just dropped the thing all together entirely. Well then let's find one that's more streamlined and it might not be the same. And it, in fact, it isn't, it's, you know, I don't have the same planner. I didn't pick out the same planner that my wife did and we didn't pick out, uh, or I, I picked out actually the one that our four older boys will be using. I didn't pick out the same one for our four older boys that either Lauren or I are using, but they've got uh 2022 to 2023 dated yearly calendar. That's pretty standard, uh, non-dated 12 month calendar. That's good. That's cool. Uh, you can set your monthly priorities and objectives. That's where you could do uh, start any time, really. They've got a 26 weeks of a day-by-day -day layout. So this is not uh, actually a full year's worth. This is a half year. So this is, you can use this for one half of the year, and then you could get a new one when you're done, when you've finished filling this out. So if we only filled out half a year's worth on the other one, well then maybe it's all for the best. If we get one that only has half a year's worth, <laughs> maybe we use that up entirely. Uh, maybe it's you know, easier to chew and swallow. But you know, day by day layout allows you to set your weekly priorities and then break them down into daily functions, organizing your time and daily routine to achieve the most out of each day efficiently and proudly. That's what it says here. And I think that's good, right? You know, that makes a lot of sense for Lauren as we now have eight kids. We've got homeschooling. We've got the two oldest taking Ames classes. We've got three teenagers plus one, uh, our youngest, who will be one years old in January, at the end of January. And a day by day, let's focus on the day by day, but not lose sight of the bigger, you know, goals and uh, uh, agenda items. I think that's just what the doctor ordered for Lauren. And so I think she's chosen very well. The green suits her. That's her favorite color. And uh, I, I think it'll work well for all of us, 
for her in particular, also for all of us by extension. For the boys, I picked out the Field Notes 56-week planner. And this is a smaller one, and uh, it's, you know, basically, uh, you know, a, a ringed planner. And it's got this thick cardstock chipboard heavy-duty cover that should make it, you know, a little bit more durable, maybe. And it's got kind of a rougher, more utilitarian look to it and feel to it. And it's a lot more simple, right? It's a lot more simple. Blank pages, no dates inside, 56-week planner. So, you know, if you miss and you didn't need to write anything down in a given week, just pick it up, right? Just pick it up wherever you're at. You don't have to flip through and look for the next one. But what I'm hoping is that these weekly writing out, here's what's coming up, here's what's coming up, here's what happened, that that translates into eventually being able to take on more complexity. But start simple, start with something that's more attainable, and then build confidence and the skills. Uh, Very cool, actually, I think, on the back cover, there is uh, basically a uh, set of almost Farmer's Almanac-type random notes, um, fun facts, trivia-type things, and maybe some of those with regards to leap years and the phases of the moon, maybe some of those spark an idea about what to include, what to write down, what to take notice of. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But the big thing is, let's start with something you can throw in a backpack or throw in your bag for going to class or take with you to youth group. You know, if it's something you can keep in your back pocket and when something comes up that you need to write down so you remember it, you just pull this thing out and you write it in. Or when something comes up that, you know, somebody told you a little bit of information, like, I don't know, their phone number, their address, uh, email address, website, you can just take this thing out. If you've got a pen with it at all times, jot that down and start there, right? Start there with the intentionality so that you can follow up with those things later and be prepared and, uh, you know, make sure you're on time. I would say, Two really, really important habits to form to be successful, whether you are going to go out and join the working world as a young man and provide for yourself and then a wife and then children, or whether you're going to be a stay-at-home mom and wife, just keeping the home, managing the home well, maybe having a, a business, you know, either way, you want to Remember what's coming up and choose to participate or to not participate because, hey, listen, I can't be both places. I'm going to be double booked. I can't commit to that. I'm sorry. No, I wish I could, but no. Or yes, actually, I am free that day. Let me write it in. Where? What time? Do I need to bring anything? Cool. Now I will review that when I get home and we can continue on with the conversation and I'm not worried about it. And if we sit down together and this is probably, you know, from the standpoint of my own home and us being synced up, one of the biggest things that we missed out on, Lauren and I, over the last half of 2022, wasn't filling in the planner for posterity or whatever. It was that we stopped sitting down together on a weekly basis to sync up 
and to compare notes in an intentional way. I mean, of course, we're still talking in an informal way, but there was a better outcome. It was a better situation, a better dynamic, a more successful approach to managing our home well, loving one another well, loving God well together when we were sitting sitting down together uh, on a weekly basis, on a Saturday morning, on a Sunday afternoon. There was a better outcome. It was a better circumstance. It was happier and more blessed. And I think part of the reason is because once you start doing that, if all of a sudden you stop, what you're communicating is either I don't have time for that or it's not important to me anymore. And if you don't have time for that, it's it's similar, similar to taking time to pray and to study your Bible. If you don't have time for that, well, then what you're saying is every other thing, literally every other thing that you say yes to is more important. And that's a that's not a good statement to make. That's a corrosive statement to make that it just, uh, we can't, we can't, we can't make that statement with regards to God. We can't make that statement with regards to one another. And what I'm not saying is, or I'm not saying if you don't sit down with your wife or your husband every Saturday morning and talk things through with your planners open and coffee, well then you're not loving them well. You're not honoring them well. You don't love God well if you're not, you know, every prayer meeting you show up to. Not saying that, but what I am saying is we do need to prioritize and it does need to be intentional. And we do need to think about what we're communicating, what we're saying with what we say yes to and what we say no to. And it really does come down to that. That, that is that is planning and chronicling 101. <laughs> it all comes down to what was said yes to, what was said no to. Not oaths, not you know, swearing on the grave of my father <laughs> or what have you, you know, not swearing on my honor as a man. Yes or no. You know, it's funny. I, I'll ask my sons every now and then a question as a follow-up, right? Because I'll give them an assignment. I'll give them a task. I'll give them a chore. I'll say, hey, is your chore done? Or, hey, did you do this thing that I asked you to do? And if I get a pause and a um, I say, okay, that's a no, right? Just just say no. Just like, <laughs> Let's just cut to the chase. Let's make this an efficient process. Let's have an efficient conversation here. Um, okay, just no, right? Just no. Because if the answer was yes, it would just be yes. It is similar not to get political and into current events and all that, but it does start here. It starts here and then it works its way up into the highest echelons of power. That's why it's a representative form of government. Actually, I would argue, and this I will table after just my brief rabbit trail comment here, every form of government is a representative form of government. There, I said it. Moving on. If the answer was yes, when our elected officials or bureaucrats, heads of major departments, intelligence agencies, et cetera, et cetera, when they testify before Congress and they're asked a important question with regards to their involvement, their participation, their action or lack thereof on a certain matter, if they don't just say no, well, then 
The answer is probably yes. If the if the yes would look not so good, and they give you this long meandering something something, and you're lost in the weeds, the answer is probably actually a yes or a no. And if you start delving into all of this other context, okay, you know what? That could wait until the yes or the no has already been given. Because the the context of your context should be a yes or a no, right? It should be a yes or a no. So the field notes thing, I think, is a good place to practice writing down what you want to say yes to in the future or what you have said yes to, and now you need to follow through with your yes if it is possible to. This is where you keep track of what you have said yes and no to already, perhaps. And this helps you to guide what you say yes and no to in the future and following through with that, letting your yes be yes, letting your no be no. As far as my planner goes, if you're curious, I got the anecdote, day planner 2023 for Lauren. I got field notes, 56-week planner, 4.75 inches by 7.5 inches for the boys. For myself, I got... The Self Journal. The Self Journal by Best Self. And you might laugh. You might scratch your head. You might cock your head to the side like, hmm, let me explain. No, wait, there's too much. Let me sum up. This is an undated 13-week planning, productivity, and positivity system for max achievement and goal success. At least that's what Amazon's listing tells me. We'll see. Right now, I'll try it out for 13 weeks and we'll see. But I like some of the things that are highlighted here. And I do believe that these would be wise and obedient for me to focus on more. I think this would be good stewardship for me to focus on these more. Track gratitude, habits, and goals daily and weekly. So the gratitude piece that that's even mentioned in here is good and necessary. And not just in the abstract, not just in a general sense, that actually is something I need more of. I, I need to be more attentive and intentional about gratitude, giving thanks to God in all circumstances, considering it pure joy, even when you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. For instance, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What does it say there? What what does it say there? Look at this. In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. That's not a minor footnote, trivial negotiable thing, it's actually a very important flavoring to the way we reframe our anxieties. Because we have anxieties. We do. We just do. This time in our lives, in world history, in modern history, with everything that's going on, with the economy, with political strife, with current events, with a dishonest media, with corrupt politicians, with godlessness, with immorality, With wars and rumors of wars, there's so much rampant wickedness and godlessness, it is 
not hard to be anxious and even more so to be consumed by anxiety, to be overwhelmed by anxiety. Don't read Philippians 4, 6 through 7 as being this harsh, abusive, unfeeling, uncaring rebuke of emotions. I'm convinced I, that was one of the big things that I I need to reckon with at the tail end of 2022 is the back and forth about that whole business and a lot of time wasted, a lot of capital from a energy, attention, thought, <laughs> time standpoint being invested in the wrong place in regards to this question of rebuking emotions. I don't believe that rebuking emotions is strictly speaking correct. And I think that some very abusive people, some very wicked men who are hypocrites can twist the scriptures as wicked men have always twisted God's word. Has Satan himself twisted scriptures and God's word and what God had said when tempting Eve? I don't read Philippians 4, 6 through 7 in context, in the context of the whole counsel of God as being the stern rebuke of you having emotions that I just don't like and I want you to stop expressing those emotions and bury them deep inside or else I'm going to hurt you with my words, what I say about you, cast you out, etc., etc. Be anxious for nothing is, yes, a corrective. Absolutely. It is to say you are struggling with anxiety. I know that. I recognize that. You need to not be anxious. Fear not. Fear not is not a reprimand. It's not a rebuke. It's not you have sinned. It is, I am telling you to not be afraid. And if you continue on being afraid, is that disobedience? Let's start with what's true about God. Let's start with what is true about the circumstances that God has put us in and his overarching promises, his character. Focus on that. Focus on that. And what you will find is with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving actually helps us to see opportunity in the midst of threats and challenges. To see opportunity to, for instance, when you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy, actually. Because not that you're just looking for silver linings and it's the power of positive thinking in an abstract self-help pop psychology sort of a way. No, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, James says. Also, sometimes translated steadfastness, which is a cool word that we don't typically use. And so I don't use it because other people are like, what is that? Even perseverance, I suppose, might be the same. What is endurance? What is perseverance? What is steadfastness? Think durability. Think when you buy something cheap that was poorly made with bad materials, low-quality materials, poorly designed. Think about how you feel when that thing wears out and breaks shortly into you trying to use it for the intended purpose. Think about how that feels. Not a good feeling, right? Not a good feeling. Now you're frustrated, you're embarrassed, and what do you do, right? If you really needed it and it broke, it wore out, it stopped functioning, well, if you needed it, then you needed it, and now you can't do the thing. Versus, okay, contrast that with 
when you buy a good quality, high quality, well-designed, made from good materials, tool or toy, it doesn't matter, and you use it the first time and it works right away. The first time, every time. It works intuitively. It works well. It works safely and efficiently and appropriately. And it looks good while it does it. (laughs) When that's the case, when it's good quality and it's durable and it doesn't wear out easily and it doesn't break easily, that's something of a picture of steadfastness or perseverance. But we need that from a mental, emotional, spiritual standpoint. We ourselves. James says, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking nothing. You have everything you need. This is a picture of contentment. This is a picture of sufficiency and peace and rest. That completion is also very, very closely related semantically to peace, peace and completion and restoration, reconciliation. This is what God does. This is what Christ has done and does do and will complete and perfect in us. And when we give thanks, even in trying circumstances, when we're grateful, even in difficulty, even in challenge, you know what? I do believe, actually, that we can be our best self. So this is called, this journal that I picked up, it's called the Self Journal. And some Christians I have heard, and I'm very uncomfortable with this because I think it's out of proportion and misguided too often. Some Christians think that even to talk about the self, to think about oneself, to focus on taking care of oneself is ungodly, disobedient, not like Christ. And not for no reason, right? This whole self-care thing that has become a trend is very often selfishness, just trying to dress itself up as virtuous, make excuses. But it's, it's self-indulgence. It's loving oneself. It's your God is your stomach, glorying in your shame. Your end is destruction. But here's why I know that the self matters. And here's how its end cannot be destruction. (laughs) God made myself. He made me. And so insofar as I am told to present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, insofar as self-control is the fruit of the Spirit, insofar as striving to have a good walk before outsiders, being dependent on no one, striving to live peaceably with all, minding my own business, working with my hands, being dependent on no one, requires being intentional about what I say yes to and what I say no to, how I manage my time, how I manage my finances, how I manage my home, how I manage my thought life, my priorities, my remembrances, my expectations, Insofar as all of that is part and parcel of obedience to God, my obedience to God, my peace with God, my stewardship, 
Well then, so what if it's called self-journal? What if, so what if it's called best self? If I put it in the context of myself needs to <laughs> love God with all that is within me, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to do that if you don't take an inventory of what's actually in you. If myself is called to love my neighbor as I love myself, well, how do I love my neighbor as I love myself if I don't even talk about, think about, be intentional about, take an inventory of myself? And what we don't want to do, we don't want to go way overboard, but then we also don't want to qualify things to death to where there's no overboard, there's no underboard, there's no board at all because you just ignore the topic. It is not actually loving God well to over-spiritualize things to the point that any self-care is regarded as ungodly. In some respect, that could be actually an unbiblical view of grace. It could be that we are going down the same path that many medieval Catholics went down, that Martin Luther himself went down, where we have to feel bad We have to punish ourselves. We have to wear a hair shirt and self-flagellate and make ourselves miserable in order to feel as though we have earned grace. No, no. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do we believe in that grace? We shouldn't believe in it in a cheap way. That also is a problem. That is also something to avoid. But we should give thanks for the kind of mercy and forgiveness in God that we have, whereby it does not destroy us to admit that we have weaknesses, that we are beset on every side, that we have troubles, we have trials of every kind, we have opportunity. I like that right here, gratitude, track gratitude, okay? How do I honor God if I don't? I have to. I have to track my thankfulness to God. What am I thankful to God for and about? I want to chronicle that. I want to write that down. I want to be remembering that, particularly when I am feeling anxious. To whom else should I also give honor and be thankful and appreciative? Well, I want to write that down. Not just what do I plan on saying yes to and no to, but also who do I plan on saying thank you to and remembering in my prayers And if they are ever in need, doing every bit of good that I possibly can to them and their household. You know, just real quick, this is the last day of the year. Our 2022 year in review, some highlights I'll share with you. For one, it's been a full year, lots happening. January, our youngest son, Andrew Matthias Mullet, was born at home. He was an unassisted home birth, except with the help of God, We welcomed Andrew into our household, into our home, January 26th. Also, too, in January, Lawrence and my four oldest sons assembled a 3D printer that we got with MyTech High, and then they subsequently tried printing out some things and learning how it works. We need to get back into that, doing some 3D printing, dust it off. In February, Andrew's lip tie that was interfering with nursing, that was corrected, just a brief in and out procedure to snip the lip tie. I took our daughter to the father-daughter dance at Summit View. 
That was fun, even though I don't dance. I really don't dance. She had a great time and was lovely, as always. She looked beautiful, and she is beautiful inside and out. And I was happy to take her, even though it also made me nervous and uncomfortable. Because, again, like I said, I don't dance. Also, in March, me and the boys put together new bunk beds in the basement. A triple bunk, and then a full over two twins bunk bed. That was overdue, and I think that helped a lot with the way that they are able to keep the basement tidy, organized, clean. They're able to have a sense of well-being when they're down there. I feel really, really good about those bunk beds, and I had forgotten, actually, that we did that. I'm thankful to God that we were able to do that and work together and that I have these sons. It's a good problem to have, to have so many sons that you're needing to get more beds for more sons. <laughs> That's a good problem. <laughs> April, our house in Sydney, Montana, the sale of that closed. That was a big thing that we were praying for. Actually, at the tail end of 2021, we wanted to sell the house and be done with it and not be out of state landlords and not have any more concern about pipes freezing and you know what's going to happen and who are we trusting to take care of this thing in our absence. There was a huge draw on our finances monthly, particularly when our renters moved out and we did not get new renters. There was a huge draw on our finances when we had to do repairs and maintenance on a house we weren't living in, particularly with inflation. I think, boy, howdy, that I forgot, right? I forgot. That was another answer to prayer that I'm thankful for, but that was a major point of stress over the two preceding years that we lived in Colorado and still owned the house. And it was very, very helpful to have it sold and be able to take the money out of the sale of the house, pay off some debt, not all. We still have, especially with inflation and the economy, we still have debt that we need to work on and get out of. But the sale of that house, I am very thankful for it. And it was an answer to prayer. Also too, in April was Easter and our family was sick. Actually, our family was sick for all three of the biggest holidays that we typically celebrate in a special way. Going to church, going to church, having a meal. <laughs> we were sick as a family, all three of them. Easter, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. I don't know why. I don't know how that worked out the way that it did, but it did. We did a lot of painting, patching holes in walls, touching up, cleaning, deep cleaning our house in Greeley, our rental house here in April. We got away, Lauren and I, in May to Idaho Springs. A huge, huge thank you to the Bergmans, Luke and Kate Bergman. Man, are we ever appreciative of them. They're such a absolute blessing from God to us, to our family. They watched the seven kids other than Andrew, while Lauren and I got away for a few days. It was really, really nice, really special. Also, too, the boys went to Montana, the two oldest boys, spent a week there hanging out with our old friends, the DeBills, seeing old sights. The next two down, Solomon and Daniel, they actually went to the Mullet family reunion with my dad, their grandpa Mullet, and they had a great time. I think that was really good for them to have that experience and to get out, just the two of them. So actually, all four older boys were able to get back to Montana over the summer in the month of July. 
Josiah and Eli, for their part, they started classes with Ames this fall in August, started a new homeschooling year. In September, we marked three years since we first moved to Colorado from Montana. It was a very great blessing that God allowed that to happen and blessed us and provided for us and protected us. And it's not to say that there were no trials. There were trials of many kinds, actually, in getting here and in trying to get established and still, in some sense, trying to get established because homes are expensive. Everything's expensive here. And yet three years here, we are very thankful to God that he has provided for us. He has protected us. He has blessed us here. Also in September, Hurricane Ian hit Florida. And my mom lived in Fort Myers at the time. And that was a very stressful, very concerning, very anxious uh, few weeks for me personally. Trying to talk her through it, trying to think through her getting out of there and what the next steps should be as her house was unlivable. In October, we started hosting a biblical training group in our home on Friday nights, and I changed jobs. Then in November, we got new flooring on the main floor. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have this opportunity to host a biblical training group. I'm thankful that I was able to change jobs. I'm sad, right? I'm sad that I left the previous job. It was a good one. I'm thankful that I have this new job. which is also a good one, and the rate of pay is better, and that is an answer to prayer as well, because inflation is not so great. Not so great on the budget and the providing for a family thing. (laughs) I'm also thankful that we have been married, Lauren and I, for 16 years. I'm thankful to my wife for the thoughtfulness of her having saved up money over the past year. Even though money was tight, she saved up change dollars, ones, fives, tens, twenties, as the boys would give her money to order things off of Amazon or off of Steam. She was just putting it in a purse all year. And then she wanted me to get this updated wedding band because I was wearing the simple gold band that we exchanged vows with back in 2006. I'm very thankful to her and I'm thankful to God for her It's not always easy. It's not. I'm not going to kid you. Marriage is challenging. Parenting is challenging. Life is challenging. But also, thank God for those challenges. Because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance or steadfastness. I could go on. There's a lot that happened in 2022. More that I've written down, but also... More besides what I've written down. Again, I want to leave you with this thought that the particulars are less important than the principles. And the question needs to be, are we loving God? Well, are we striving to love God with all that is in us? Are we loving one another as we love ourselves? Are we prioritizing how we love one another and being intentional about it, taking an inventory to love one another well? We should if we're not. And by God's grace, we can. So we should be thankful for that as well. But like I said, like I said before, this is New Year's Eve. I have some games to play with my four older sons towards the end of having fun and also building character 
building communication skills, problem solving, critical thinking, being strategic, working as a team. I have some conversations to have with my household about the year behind us, the year ahead of us. So I got to run. All that is to say, I got to run. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com.